Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, welcome back to part two of my chat with creative big boys, Jack Rook. If you haven't heard part one, it's on the feed. And if you have, here is part two. Talking about friendships between straight men and queer men. When I came out to people who I was friends with when I was a kid who were straight yeah. men. You go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, we haven't said anything yet, but I feel like today's the day. <laughs> it's not GB news, news. It's the new. What? It's the new setup. You thought it was. You thought it was GB news, news, news would be really fun. We could do GB news, but be gay boy news. That. Oh my god. Let's do gay boy this news. This is gay boy news. Um, <laughs> Sorry, you were talking about coming out. <laughs> uh, no, but when you come out, like you, you have to recalibrate, un- in an unspoken way, what that friendship is, and yeah. I actually think they die is what I'm saying. A part of it dies. Yeah. I think that you, I, you know, I used to think one of the things that was so incredible about being gay in a straight world is like the stuff that straight men say in front of you because they think that you're inside the tent yeah. on like misogyny and many other things. Um, and yeah, I just think that's an interesting part of a friendship with a straight man. And I wondered if you related yeah, I mean, I think I've been very lucky. And I'm also, I'm a product of my upbringing, you know. I feel, I've always felt like I'm growing up, I spent a time around a lot of very masculine, intimidating men. Mm. And men who really reasserted a sort of version of masculinity that I never identified with. Some of those men made me feel outcasted because of that. And others recognized my differences and kept on making me feel very included mm. because because they could see that the alternative wasn't scary me being a bit alternative wasn't as frightening yes and and to not be in, i'm very lucky that my dad was that way like he was a much more alternative type of man he was still masculine in many ways but he was like rock and roll masculine he sort of had a liberalism to him that i don't necessarily think i was ever brought up in a really liberal household mm. or really like i was never really brought up in like a left-wing or a right-wing household mm. like i didn't ever have that affiliation with like you know this is this is politics this is what you should follow this is what you should agree with mm. there are probably moments that flipped between the two i'm really grateful for that because i think i got a very well-rounded upbringing and a very well-rounded understanding of masculinity mm. and how that impacted me and i think a lot of my male friendships that i had especially the ones that i made at university were driven by that shared 
feeling, that shared cultural background, that shared class background. One of my mates, Dom, who's from Nottingham and straight and like incredibly attractive, like me and him would just laugh about the X Factor. Or we mm. had the same comedy heroes, the same cultural heroes, like it extended beyond sexuality. Yes. And therefore, when my sexuality did then play a part in my identity, I felt very safe and protected that these people saw me for who I was and not just like who I fancied. Mm. And I think that's the key thing about Jack and Danny. Jack actually never really comes out to Danny in Big Boys ever. Danny just hears mm. Jack be like, oh, I had a thing with a guy and it fucked up. And he just kind of takes the knowledge. And there's no coming out moment. In fact, even in Big Boys, at the end of series one, there is infamously like a coming out scene. Yes. But for me, I never, I, I wrote it with knowing the coming out trope of all TV shows having a coming out scene. Yeah. <clears throat> and to me, it was way more about grief. And it was mm. about Jack being like, there's something about me that I don't want to tell my family because we've already had a stressful enough time losing dad and I'm never going to be able to tell dad something about myself and mm. that's painful. But he never had any shame about being gay. It mm. was every line of that coming out scene is connected to a sense of loss and never being able to tell somebody a truth about yourself. And I think maybe that's why it secretly resonated with people so much because it actually was less on the nose than perhaps I've seen those scenes be done before. Mm-hmm. And it was also driven by Danny. And it mm. was driven by a straight guy being like, there's something holding you back here that doesn't need to hold you back. Mm. Like, you're loved. And there's also something to me where a lot of my friends that maybe have had very vulnerable times have been straight men who haven't always felt very loved and who have conditioned a lot of that horrible, masculine, patriarchal, aggressive stuff. And they've really had to be quite brave and courageous to fight against it mm. and to find a place within it where they don't fully identify, but they still know that they look like those guys. Mm. And to me, I felt like with the character of Danny, it was good to celebrate someone who is aware of that and, and still chose differently and still chose more progressively and empathetically, mm. but also still like wanted to fuck a fresher and still like had <laughs> chat up lines and was still a bit cringe and was still really funny and still laddie. Like, I think we can still celebrate all those things. We don't need to attach them constantly to bad people, if that makes sense. No. And all of that, you really felt all of that. But also the quality that you're talking about, I feel like, is people who are just confident in it's secure in their own yeah, yeah. masculinity. That's yeah. the thing is that like, if anyone is calling someone else out for being, you know, effeminate or whatever, those things that, that happen, it's something to do with them. It's always to do with them. And that's what's lovely about Danny is he's not that person. He yeah. is that lad, but he doesn't, He's very much like, I'm me, they're them. Cool. Yeah. I don't even love people like that. I love people like that. And they're so much more common. Most people aren't as threatened by differences we feel. The issue is now is that there's so fucking many of us in the population. And there's so many people now that like, <laughs> that like we, we, everything that ever happened. This happens, is now feeling like GB News. It's now feeling like GB News, isn't it? I'm going to go into some sort of like, you know, we need to, everyone's only allowed one kid. That's not what I'm saying. But like the, the, there's so much volume to mm. every single person's experience that as soon as a thread of something exists, it becomes magnified and then something else that can be true is erased we just have a lot of false equivalences now mm. we also have no like i don't know 
I don't want to go too far off the beaten track, but like we've no counterculture really anymore mm -hmm. that feels like it's genuinely counterculture. Anything that is counterculture exists for like 10 minutes mm -hmm. before it gets sucked up by the mainstream and becomes like something else, which is something I really feel with big boys because I write something based 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. If I was to write something based in the mid noughties or in the mid nineties or the mid eighties, the fashion choices would be so distinctly different. Mm -hmm. The musical choices would be so distinctly different. Whereas the culture between now and 2024 and 2014, I'm barely writing any differences. Really? We can still get all the fucking costume off ASOS today. Wow. We could still get a lot of the palette and the color palette and the, the, soundtracks or the sort of like textures of stuff like the eras haven't changed as much because between 2014 and now counterculture has not been allowed to thrive nothing's been allowed to like propel us anywhere different all we've had is like the rise of more prominence in certain identity groups which is important and great but like as a visual culture nothing's changed mm. and i find it really interesting and i want to like delve into it in my own work i could be, have been wearing this jumper doing this podcast in 2016 mm -hmm. and that eight year difference we wouldn't really like I feel like that shirt you could have been like oh yeah I got that about like seven eight years ago I got this for Christmas actually whereas <laughs> and it's lovely Thanks. stuff hasn't changed visually enough it's well it's really interesting you say that because someone was talking about um do this. I sound really conspiratorially mad by well no because someone said that to me I, I was talking about on this podcast probably seven years ago but like someone said it to me about 10 years ago is that the problem not the problem the thing is about the internet is that a, a movement will happen and it can reach everywhere around the world in 15 seconds should yeah. it want to whereas before you had you had like groups and it would bubble up in london and then that might someone might go to new york yeah. and tell someone else and that might bubble up there or whatever and it just took longer which meant it had time to grow a following whereas actually it it doesn't that doesn't happen anymore and that, and they were saying that they were saying that's why normcore came about because actually right, okay, like yeah. everyone's just like there's nothing's really happening so I just wear a grey jumper and I wear you know stone wash jeans and then therefore yeah. I'm just nothing if that's what normcore was yeah I yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah I I yeah I kind of get that I just think I've probably it could be an age thing as well. So I'm trying to be aware that I could be wrong, but I feel like anything yeah, that maybe I we're bought, just old. anything I bought in Uniqlo six or seven years ago is still being sold in Uniqlo now. And I yeah. don't think that, and you could say that says a lot about Uniqlo, but I don't think it does. I think it says a lot about consumption and how we identify ourselves now. Yes, There's less like, it's just generally, there's little opportunity for, for, I don't know, difference to hit in the way that it used to in the past yes but um i don't know if um glory holes would have been such a cultural touch point in 2014 <laughs> because true. first choice of van now you um having a, oh, yeah. a glory hole moment and when was his choice of van yeah did he have so, a glory hole yeah do you remember the, the new video the whole there's this no whole i i i let the twinks do their thing i <laughs> applaud from the from the periphery great okay well i'll skip you up so choice of van has, has made this new video well it's not new anymore um because it came out 10 seconds ago is it the one that's saying i feel the rush yeah uh, see like i watched that video and yeah. i was like i think i made that at a level <laughs> it's like this looks like a video i would have made 
Okay. Like, there's like 10 so, Central St. Martin's kids that made that video 10 years ago. Yeah. And you're great, yeah. Troy. Love you. So that's what I mean. Like, nothing shocks me or surprises me anymore. Yeah, well... But it's because I'm old and boring. No, it's not. It's But there, anyway, there's a shot in it which is tracking in and out of a glory hole right. while he's singing. And everyone yeah. was like, can't, I can't believe that this is where we are with, you know, mainstream culture. In a yeah. good way, not as yeah, in, in yeah. a bad way. He has been very, very self-assured in the sense that he's like i'm just gonna do it my way and i'm gonna be yeah. really really queer when he came on the podcast a long time ago he got a bit of shit because he said if i was straight i probably would have done better and a lot of people got angry right. about that right but he has really stuck to his guns and yeah. and this is all in america which is a more conservative place and i do think big boys is part of that you know the stuff that's going on in that show I don't know if that would have happened in 2014. I agree. I think you're right. Drinking poppers and looking through glory holes and <laughs> you know, webcamming and stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. It maybe wouldn't have happened 10 years ago, but it still requires such a lot of conversation. Well, I, like in the press or to get it made? I'm going to try and do this mature thing where it's like, I have a feeling, but I haven't thought about it enough to articulate it yet. So mm -hmm. I shouldn't articulate it. I'm trying to do this thing where I just don't run myself down because i right now i'm feeling a little bit like oh should i have done that glory hall scene why because i'm like it's so difficult to know how people are going to respond to something like that and uh -huh. i won't know how people are going to respond to it for another month yet because you have to wait a month to find out if anyone's watched your show because mm -hmm. just the tv has changed really like, yeah i think it's it's difficult to know if that was a good thing to do or a bad thing to do. I think comedically it was a really funny thing to do. So I always justify things by being like, did that add comedic value and did it feel true to the character? Yes. And I'm like, yeah, like I would have looked through a glory hole. Yes. I would have been like, what's that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, never in my, well, like, like just my brain was so innocent and anxious. Yes. And that's like a thing that I really feel proud about with big boys is that you've got that central lead gay character who isn't overly flamboyant and self-assured and is just really terrified mm. and, really, and really able to be dweeby yes. and anxious. I kind of like that because I don't feel like I've seen that that much. I've seen so many strong queer men and i love that that i mean and that is a lot written into the character of yemi who mm. i think really flies and excels in series two yes so there is that part there but i, I kind of like the difference but what i was sort of saying is uh, even i as somebody who's written it and made it and put it out yeah. i'm unsure i don't know whether anything lives or dies by moments like that does it it feels like it's part of the story and yeah and it's calamitous i did front row radio four oh yeah two like a week ago mm. it was like suddenly sex becomes on offer right in that in that episode and in that scene and mm. i was like wow i never saw it like that Interesting. in my mind i never thought oh sex is on offer mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah and when it was presented to me like that and samira ahmed i think is amazing i'm mm. probably one of those journalists i quite trust actually oh cool i really like but for me oddly i didn't see and sometimes i'm like i don't know if i'm right or wrong i didn't see an erect penis coming <laughs> through a glory hole on a sitcom on channel four as sexual yeah but of course it's sexual yes but it's interesting to me because i've maybe lightened it in my mind as a sort of like rite of passage experience thing or something that's funny or something that's not 
as serious. But then a part of me is like, well, no, actually, a lot of people are going to receive this as a sexual encounter moment. Mm. But for me, I never wrote it with that in mind. I wrote it like, this mm. is a fun queer experience when you see a glory hole for the first time. It's part of a coming of age thing. Like, it was very desexualized in my mind writing it. But that's what, did, am I making yes. a bit more sense now? It's yeah. like, that's where I'm like, oh, I just don't, I don't know anymore. Isn't that because if you're queer, you often end up at like nights where like you're having a gin and tonic outside a dark room and, that, and the people are just passing in and out in front of you yeah, and yeah, you yeah. don't want to go in or you do but like it's so normal yeah it's normalized that like it's sort of hypersexual and, it, and and that's what i what i also love is that jack is dweeby because he's all us falling into that world and sp supposedly knowing what the fuck to do yeah but we yeah. used to go into dark rooms holding <laughs> hands with each other so well, we that's wouldn't... what they do in series one i remember oh, yeah. me and a friend of mine going in the dark room in xxl yes and being like and me just holding onto my friend's hand and being like it smells of poo it smells <laughs> of poo and you know and then trying to figure out like what do all the coded signs mean like if someone's looking at you does that mean they like want to approach you or they don't want to approach you or they're telling you not to approach like oh. all of that fear and that scared like mm. i love all that stuff yes but yeah i don't know i think i think you're right i think it's it's well it's about liberation isn't it really a lot of queer people now feel more liberated sexually than ever yeah. before therefore we're not going oh my god that's shocking because yes. there's just been more liberation that's happened and i suppose mm. that is to prove myself wrong. <laughs> yes, fashion-wise, Uniqlo needs some new fucking clothes. <laughs> but culturally, yeah, in the last 10 years, you know, there's a line in Big Boy Series 2, it's like, the summer of 2014 was the gayest summer in British history. Yes. The first gay weddings, the first drag winner of Eurovision, and the first brilliant album from Kylie in four years. Yeah. And then, you know, blah, blah, blah. But in my mind, I'm like, yeah, actually a lot has happened, mm. you know. And I always think this about, like, I think a real joy for me was how well drag race uk series two did mm -hmm. where i really felt like my mum was saying to me like oh it's bibbidi my mum's not northern i don't know why i went like that <laughs> like i mean my friend dom who does sound like that was like oh bibbidi bamboolash it's great yeah. isn't it yeah it's art yeah and like i just thought that was a real beautiful that season in particular yes don't know there are always these little moments where stuff hits the mainstream i suppose and i and maybe i'm being it's interesting. I think it's uh, like, I've wanted to do this podcast for so long. I feel like I'm doing it at my most like knackered point <laughs> where I'm just like, oh, You're I don't doing know great, if love. good anymore. My show's probably shit. No. I should put cocks in the eyes of other, like, you know, you just get a bit like, <laughs> no. Bit panicked, but. Um, well, you don't need to, is what I'll say. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Can 
we also talk about the music because oh yeah i loved the music and i was blown away that you used kiss away trail song yeah. at the end of episode three because i did the video for that song did you really yeah oh cool and i was like yeah I was like, I swear that's Kissway Trail. And I was like, but yeah, we they, got two Kissway Trail songs. Really? In Big Boys, yeah. So, what, and I, I, you know, for example, Kylie, It's in Your Eye is uh, happening, In Your Eyes is playing yeah. during the Glory Hole moment, if that's not yeah, a spoiler. Yeah. Um, and is that from the album that came out in 2014? No, In, okay. your, in your Eyes is from Fever. It's from, from um, 2000. Do you remember the but, video? No, I don't. Oh I don't remember God, that so video. Good. Oh, yes. Is it the one where she's like walking? No. Digital floor and everyone's like in yes, red. Yes, I do remember crazy. it. Kylie Minogue to me is like, I really, like I want, I, I, I've been wanting something from that the previous album to that Light Years, which mm. is my favourite Kylie record of all time. And honestly, if anyone listening has got a copy of that on vinyl, I will give you a hundred quid. Really? Because I've been looking for a copy of Light Years on vinyl. Oh. Okay. It's nice to have a Kylie song with a Kiss Away Trail song, with mm. a Hard Fi song, mm. next to a next to a LaRue <laughs> song, next yeah. to a Romy. Like I love that. The soundtrack is really the the thing that me and Jim Archer, the director, connect on. And he's like a straight guy. And mm. like I feel like Big Boys is often Big Boys is often like the dynamic of Jack and Danny being translated to the the creative relationships I genuinely have on the show sometimes. That's interesting. Where, and me and Jim just love music and we send playlists that every three minutes to each other it's, and um it's gold panda on there as well gold panda's on there yeah. me and jim had a big row about that Go if on. he listens to this i'll love it mm. we have gold panda song you mm. which to me is charlie xx's song you ha 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 oh. because her first single was just the instrumental of that but her singing over it oh so anytime we would have the gold panda thing i would start singing the charlie xcx lyrics <laughs> and jim was like will you stop singing that and i was like i just think we should go full gay and have the charlie xcx song and jim just was like no it's gold really? panda. get out the edit <laughs> and i'm quite proud of jim because it's so nice to have some instrumental like dance track at the end of an app sometimes like he's He's, yeah, he's my favourite person to work with. Oh, that's so... And it's nice that he's straight. So you have, like you say, you have that context and relationship. Yeah. And what do people say about straight actors playing gay roles and stuff in the in the making of this show? Have people said stuff to you? No, because also because I don't ask. Right. I really, you know, find it, find it a thing where, like, I, I try to go with my own instincts on whether I think somebody's going to be able to carry the story and the depth of the story. Mm. you know. And also, we made the pilot in 2018, and I wasn't going around being like, are you this? Are you depressed? Have you had, like... Mm. I know John and Dylan and Azuka and Alyssa and everyone sort of personally, and I know the points in which we might have a sort of personal connection, but professionally, I'm like, I write for them knowing what they can do. Mm. And, I, and I'd, yeah... I, I really believe in telling things as authentically as possible. Mm. But, you know, my authenticity in this show is telling a story ultimately of friendship and of grief. Mm. And I know that all of the cast have been have been touched by those feelings at mm. a younger age. And that to me is like enough qualification for me to just be like, well, you get the the you get elements of the pain I've been through and you get elements of the joy I've been through. Yes. And I don't really, I don't, I try not to sort of prime more beyond that. Also, I think because like, and just genuinely, there is like a sort of employment law thing. Totally. Like, like, you totally. Can't, I can't really start going on the casting 
rounds like and how do you like I can't you actually cannot ask that question no and I don't think I'd want to because I like being led by my own instinct and I think John portrays a tale of mental illness so well and I don't know what his personal relationship is and Dylan portrays a sort of queer coming of age with the kind of sense of grief mm. teenage grief so well, and I don't know what his personal experience is and Alyssa kind of portrays a very confident queer mm. And I don't know what his is, other than like he did dance videos about five or six years ago, and I thought he'd probably be able to do some fun stuff. <laughs> but that's sort of it. I yeah. try not to. I I kind of go off my own vibe and my own instinct. If that mm. makes sense. Well, yeah, because it's interesting because I I observe it on different things, and I'm always I'm always fascinated by what gets jumped on in the pink news comments and what doesn't you know like yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really interesting how all of our strangers which andrew haig is gay and has directed it and andrew scott is in and is gay has had to my knowledge not that i'm researching it heavily but paul mescal being in it yeah hasn't had any backlash no because no, and, and yeah and i think um i think that's great i think mm -hmm. you trust because there's queer people behind it mm -hmm. so there's queer people making those decisions mm. and they're making them knowing the abilities and the empathies and the investment that any actor of any sexuality or identity is making so you can't yeah i i think i think it's interesting i think we may be moving beyond feeling like one person has to be this in order to play this and and i sort of you know there's so much other stuff that we that we don't have. Mm. Like, so I, I said this to the Gay Times the other day, where I was like, Dylan obviously plays me, and he plays a version of me that I've written that, I, Dylan, that I love, but Dylan is slim. Mm -hmm. Dylan is a very attractive, slim boy. My experiences of coming out and being gay were being 17, 18, at one point 19 stone mm -hmm. in that scene. And entering queer spaces and feeling just very fat mm. and that isn't in big boys and no one's annoyed about that mm -hmm. but at the same time and i'm not annoyed about that because i chose dylan and he portrays a lot of other things close dear to my heart really beautifully at the same time i'm like name me a fat gay sitcom character mm. there are none mm. like the commissioning world still hasn't done that yet we still and to me size and being bigger has played a much more intrinsic part of my identity and growing up and coming out than anything else mm -hmm. and that's a story that i'll save for another thing one day maybe and I'll, maybe i'll write about it, maybe i won't type thing but mm. it's interesting because i think it i just never want to be defined by things that feel like well this is that and therefore this must be your experience because actually I have found being gay or queer, I'd probably identify as queer more now, really liberating and brilliant. And I've met fantastic, wonderful people and felt a real wonderful sense of community. The only times I haven't is when like, I felt like my size has been a real point of derision or a point of like, or, you know, I've just been quite invisible. It's mm. really interesting to me now that Big Boys is, is a success. And there are some gay actors who I remember going on nights out with four or five years ago. And I, you know, knew which one of them's had a dodgy mole on the back of their neck because they just used to stand with their backs to my face. <sighs> because they were like, don't know who he is. 
don't know what he does. And he looks like that. So like, I saw so many off the back of the heads of like <laughs> your favorite beloved queer actors. Wow. Because it's just like I was invisible. And wow. that's something that isn't in Big Boys. And I, I hope to write about at another time. Mm. But I think as, you know, I've tried to write that into some other character stories or that feeling of just because you're big doesn't mean you have to make yourself a joke or it doesn't mean you have mm. to make yourself like, you know, you can still take yourself seriously. And has that changed, do you think? Do you think now it's still the same? Because, I, you know, I was listening to someone talk and this is not said in a way that, like, I'm any better, but someone was being so berating themselves about their weight and stuff and I was like, God, really, nothing has changed, you know, like, it's yeah. so... Um, well, I don't think it's changed in telly and I don't think it's changed in TV comedy either. Mm. You know, my favourite show of all time... It's Gavin and Stacey, or one of my favourite shows. There's a scene in Gavin and Stacey where Smithy turns to, to Gavin and says, well, you couldn't be... Or where, where Gavin turns to Smithy and says, well, you couldn't be gay. And Smithy's like, why? And he's like, oh, fat gays are all outcasts. You know, look at you. And then and then he goes on to list God. three fat gay people. And Smithy's like, oh, yeah, thank God. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> to be fat and gay is the worst gay you can be. Mm. It's like the worst... And, and, I think that that hasn't been reflected on TV any differently yet. I haven't seen any portrayals of it. Mm. I really haven't. I'm tr trying to think and I'm like, maybe I've seen it, but the character's been like a side character. Or yes. Like, but I can't see it ever being, whereas I've seen, I've seen size be represented differently and more beautifully recently, but mm -hmm. just not in that way. But I don't, who knows? And what about out and about, like on the queer scene? Do you think it's still got that vibe? Yeah. Really? I think so. Mm. I think that there are some people who are liberated from it and and who but but I still think there's a lot of prejudgment. I'm not the person to ask though, because when you reach a sort of level of and I, I don't mean to sound big headed, but you mm. reach a sort of level of success or cult success mm. or like, you know, all of the cast of big boys call me Mighty Hoopla famous. <laughs> They're like, <laughs> Mighty Hoopla and Gay Pride, it's like you're Princess Diana. Like, you're being stopped all the time. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's quite fun actually. It's, but, but uh, you know, it's also terrifying. Yeah. But like my vision of it's a bit skewed now. But I think if you were to ask average kind of plus-sized queer person like mm. what's it like entering some spaces like that i think sometimes they'll be like it's got better and other times they're like it's just as alienating there was like a gay press event thing that i had to go to last year and i just remember being like i feel fucking shit really and there's nothing worse as a bigger person than 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 feeling incompatible with, the, with, with either doing your job or being in a social situation because of your size. Mm -hmm. I had it sometimes when like, I've done photo shoots for things or I've done little small kind of cameo, tiny roles and things and nothing has fit me. Mm -hmm. And it's the worst feeling mm -hmm. in the world because you just feel incompatible with your job. Yes. And, and it's because somebody has just forgotten that you are different. And that happens, right? Mm -hmm. I try to take it less personally because it does just happen. Um, but it, it, 
it is a difference, yes. and, it, and it can be just as alienating, even alienating, even if you're. Am I saying the right words now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still on, we're we're still still on, on course. Point. <laughs> I'm often, anytime I'm ever photographed, I'm just wearing my own clothes. Yeah, because I'm just. There's been so many times where someone's gone. Hmm, uh, I like what you're wearing. <laughs> I like what you're wearing, and it's you, isn't it? And I like that because it's you. So I think we should. I think you should wear that for this photo. Really? I'll just be like, yeah, because nothing on that rail is going to even fucking go over my tits. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and I don't want to like complain about it. I could go and get a stylist who might buy loads of clothes that would fit me and source them. So you know, it's just mm. there, there's solutions to it. But like, I think most the average queer plus size person still feels very mm. alienated at times. We need to end with one final question here, Jack. Yeah. Does Mel B really own toilet rolls from Buckingham Palace? I don't know. I think maybe I read that somewhere, <laughs> that Mel B went to Buckingham Palace and stole a loo roll. It's a good thing I to hope, steal. I hope she has. Yes. I really love Mel B. I feel really, <laughs> like, really protective over her. Just really? think she's like... It, I kind of like how gregarious she is, and so I hope she has stolen lots of loo rolls from Buckingham Palace. A, I would. Yeah, yeah. I fucking I can't remember. I went somewhere, somewhere fancy, and I stole a loo roll, and now I can't remember where it was. Mm. It's probably like I don't know, Dishoom. <laughs> <laughs> I finally managed to get into Dishoom on Carnival Street. I stole a loo roll. <laughs> Now, get in touch, stay connected on Instagram at Homo Sapiens, on Facebook at Homo Sapiens Podcast, on TikTok, don't know what we're called, but just search for us. Um, we're big on TikTok. And email your comments, your questions and your agony uncles to hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Next week, it's another exciting episode. We've got British-American fashion designer, Harris Reed, who designs all Harry Styles amazing clothes, put Harry Styles on the front cover of Vogue in a dress, designs for Beyonce, designs for Adele, designs for Mariah Carey, we talk about that. Amazing, incredible clothes that are really inspiring. He is the one who did that outfit for Iman and the Met Ball, which is the huge gold halo thing, has dressed Monroe Bergdorf, in fact. He's coming to talk to us about his new book, Fluid, and all the inspiration about that. And it's a really lovely chat with a wonderful person. So that's coming up next week. Put that in your diary, people. Thank you very much for listening and sending you all lots of love. Bye for now. was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough, Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. 
Treat your skin to clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. Powered by Spirit Studios.